that these things are all horrible, orgiastic, drunken bacchanals, and they're full of English sounds like fun. who are monsters. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah, but- like drunken English children, just like the worst people on earth. It's this horrific fucking mating ritual where like the women just get alcohol poisoning and they're really sexually aggressive and it's incredibly undignified and I refuse to participate in it, which is why I've never had sex in that terrible fucking cursed country. I just want them to get Corbin in charge so that I can stop visiting. (laughs) Why couldn't this have happened in Greece? Why couldn't the future of like European socialism have been in like sunny part of Spain or something? (laughs) I got some bad news for you, Amber. Uh, Luckily for us, you're going to be visiting for quite a while, I think. Mm. (laughs) It's a moratorium. It's unreal. But anything less, what they should do with that fat fuck Tom Watson, um, oh. they should fucking roast him alive and give his flesh to the poor starving people in the food banks. And anything less, I think, is a tremendous betrayal and sellout. That's a modest proposal for the 21st that is exactly century. Yeah. A modest proposal. <laughs> Traitors. But, unfortunately, but unfortunately, Tom Watson has lost a lot of weight. Uh, <laughs> and, and people are still going to be starving, which is his old. <laughs> It's his <laughs> He's very lean meat these days. Yeah. Shows <laughs> how selfish he is. He's not even planning himself up to feed the poor. Oh, what a dear. bastard. All right, hello and welcome to the Global Politics Podcast at the end of the end of history. Alpha Bunga Bunga is Phil Cunliffe, George Hoare, and myself, Alex Hochuli. So two weeks ago, we had Anton Yeager on to discuss his review of David Graeber's bullshit jobs and the questions of post-work more generally. And today we're back on the theme and very happy to have Amber Lee Frost back on the podcast. Hey, Amber, how's the Labour Party conference? And more importantly, how are you? Um, it went uh incredibly well socialism is coming any day now everyone you know has to has to line up because history will not remember you kindly if, if you don't get behind it um and i'm well i'm i'm vigilant militant and uh share the um the sense of purpose that uh, so many before me have <laughs> that's, that's great i'm just gonna probably insert a clip here of you saying how the seaside at Brighton where the Labour Party comes. Yeah, no, you can use you all of that yourself. stuff. Yeah, okay, just You a, can use all of that stuff. I think you as a liar right from the get-go. <laughs> <laughs> I never claimed not to be a liar. <laughs> and if I did, it was a lie. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, right, so today we're discussing um, universal basic income and post-work a little bit more deeply, and especially uh, in relation to something that you highlighted in a recent article in Jacobin, which is a comparison you made between the mid-century middle-class housewife and what it would be like under prospective UBI regime. So to start us off, maybe you could just highlight the main points of that. Sure. Um, so actually, I'm going to give you the, the extra anecdotal stuff too, just because it's, it's a funny story. 
Um, so my friend, again, she had just broken up with her boyfriend. I think it was actually in her profile or she had mentioned it or whatever. And this guy starts like arguing with her about Andrew Yang. Um, and you know, he's like, he's, I don't say this just to purely like mock the guy. Um, he seemed like a very like sad person, um, sort of like bitter and angry and listless. And she supports full employment and she's like, yeah, I just think UBI is a trap and, you know, and I, I think doesn't do the things that I want to do politically, you know, and she's trying to brush it off, but he won't let it go. And if this is on uh, Tinder. So at one point she's showing me this conversation and she's like, he could get laid if he would shut up about Andrew Yang. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I just got out of a relationship. This should be a slam dunk. What has capitalism done to men at this point that they that they self-sabotage their own ability to get laid to be gigantic fucking nerds? And the worst part is, is that they're two very strong out. competing desires though, to have that political argument <laughs> with someone over and have sex with them. And uh, you know, I'm torn very often in, in that same way too. So I think it's I mean, after principles. a breakup, though... <laughs> there are ways to do it, like, to do both at the same time, but... After a breakup, though, aren't you... Can't you just sort of be like, oh, wow, you think vaccines cause autism? That's so interesting. Like, <laughs> there are times when you put a... I don't know. I mean, maybe that's just me. Um, it depends what they look like, I guess. But um, the other thing is that he had started out the, I guess, message or interaction, or I, I've never used a dating app. I, I think they're debased and I prefer to hunt in the wild like a goddamn adult. But uh, he used the, the messaging thing in it to, um, to, to, because like it's just- yeah, You have to actually like, talk to them. Yeah, you can't just be like, let's meet up at this point in time. And yeah, yeah. You know, you have to. Um, and, and she liked, um, uh, she listed one of the things she likes is uh, the podcast of like my best friend who who was my um, former roommate. We've been on each other's podcast before. And uh, so he's like, oh, uh, I know Amber. And I, I and she's like, oh, my God, this guy messaging who also likes the podcast Come Town knows you. <laughs> and I was like, uh, oh, really? What's his name? And she's like. Uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, I, yeah, I don't, uh, I doesn't ring a bell. And then she showed me a picture. I'm like, I have no idea who that person is. And she's like, so that's funny. Cause I'm with Amber right now. And she says she, she, you, you don't really look like someone she knows. And he's like, well, uh, actually I know her ex, some guy I dated for like six weeks or something. And I was like, oh my God, this is just another perfect example of like UBI advocates trying to argue their proximity to left wing things <laughs> by just like, by like very circuitous roots. It's exactly what they do ideologically. They're just like, oh, well, you know who else likes this? Kind of contact leftism. They've been. Exactly. It's like, I'm, we're, see, we're all, we're all on the same page. We're all, we all have the same project, right? No, no, you don't. You knew someone I dated for like six weeks. <laughs> anyway, I just thought that that was like a really amazing and telling kind of interaction she had with this person where eventually she just had to be like, 
yeah, I don't, I don't really, I think you, you kind of lack imagination here. And she sort of had to like, you know, put a bow on it. Um, and I was like, that was really sad. Uh, because there's someone who, uh, you know, allegedly has like, you know, the same sense of humor as you and, you know, and my girl was just looking to pull, you know, <laughs> uh, and you can't have a conversation with him because he's so sort of embittered by, um, this strange fixation he has on like, but it's Andrew a one, but it's one solution. Yeah. But Andrew Yang, you know, I mean, okay. Andrew Yang's UBI is particularly crap because it's a pittance of, of, a, of yeah 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 fun. so, but, so even, it's like my thing but, with but it's just one but you know it's one handy solution which somehow yeah. resolves a huge other gamut of social problems one and easy trick one easy <laughs> trick <laughs> bang yeah, this is gone there's one easy trick to dismantle class consciousness yes You'll exactly what it is exactly right so and so I, hang on but because obviously modern dating is nothing like the situation of uh you know, mid-century middle-class housewives. And yet you argue that that situation is quite like being a UBI uh, recipient in a society which has become post-work. So, And I also also would like to um, hear some tips about hunting in the wild, but maybe later as well. I I've had and no success in England. So like, like not even once. So I'm sorry. Like, (laughs) <laughs> just, <laughs> all right okay, i don't well. get it i i don't know I, whatever i have doesn't work here it's like it's, <laughs> I, I, need a, I need an adapter or something oh, no, um, no it works <laughs> it works with us amber it works with us you need a third um, pin in the uk that's the that's how sex works in the uk you, need, <laughs> you only have two that sounds vaguely transphobic somehow alex <laughs> <laughs> um yeah but i okay so I, I, I just thought it was like sort of a very sad and ca- kind of weird interaction, but like this is a thing that has more or less happened with a lot of my female friends in particular. And it's just like girls don't want to hear about Andrew Yang. I, that should be on a t shirt. Um, but uh, I didn't want to get too much into the actual kind of practical arguments against UBI because I think those have been made. Um, really well by people like Alex Gurevich um, in Catalyst. Um, and I didn't want to get into sort of the political arguments against it because obviously there's been a ton of things written on that. I kind of wanted to go full lash and just be like, okay, let's say this is plausible and it will work the way its advocates say it will work. Let's just say that. I think it would make you miserable. I think it wouldn't solve any of your problems aside from extremely basic survival. Um, And I think there's a difference between surviving and thriving as, you know, as whatever new age as that sounds or whatever. Um, And I, I was like, what, you know, let's think of a large category of people who were, weren't in the workforce, but had everything sort of taken care of for them. Like, and then I was like, holy shit, we already did that. It, w- it was the post-war housewife. Um, and actually having been a housewife during a prolonged period of, um, of, of unemployment, I like used to be like, no, 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 whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly self-motivated. I, I, would, I would find ways to keep myself occupied. I'd do all these things. 
Um, and I did because I have a Protestant brain damage. Um, but like, it's still incredibly alienating. And I, and I just, so I just went through and found, you know, the feminine mystique and um, went through and listed the, the ways that um, there would be similarities. Uh, particularly because those women were just like listless and miserable and, you know, suffered from like a, a large number of um, sort of pathologies that are associated with being sort of siloed away out of, out of any sort of larger civic, political, uh, labor, whatever project. So yeah, I kind of just, I, I was inspired by my friend's terrible, <laughs> terrible experiences on Tinder to write a kind of uh, feminist informed, um, you know, uh, argument against UBI. And also, again, I think it's sort of weird that we keep talking about on the left, like, is it possible? We spend so much time trying to expand everyone's, you know, perception of the possible that we never stop and think about whether or not it is desirable, um, whether or not it's something people want. And that is, worth considering i you know I, I think it's done on the basis that this is an easy win so why wouldn't you want it i mean so i i posted your article and actually ended up because i quite liked it and i got some angry replies going this is absurd and whatever um <laughs> internet sorry um well, what but, were they mad about i mean i don't know if anyone's ever mad about me yeah People, no I mean, it, it yeah. was speci- it was specifically i think about that comparison because they're like, these are nothing alike. Being a being a, a kept wife is much worse than a UBI and so on. In fact, you kind of address that argument in the article, pointing out that the housewife would have more leverage than right. a UBI recipient, a recipient, which I think is is right. I, I also, think- I've been a housewife and and I've been on the dole. Like, again, this is a very serious point. Like, if my ex-husband had been pissing me off. I could fucking set his clothes on fire if I wanted to. There's all manner of recourse that I had. Um, And when I was, you know, when I was on unemployment, I I just had to navigate this very opaque bureaucracy. I had no access um, to, I had no direct access to my own like case or, you know. uh, I mean, so, but the argument, the argument, the argument against, the the argument uh, in favor of UBI would point out that there's a difference there because you wouldn't have to go through all the bureaucratic hoops and all the humiliation that unemployment, the, the dole involves because it would just be given to you, you know, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's free money. You know, if you're <laughs> a materialist. You say no to free money. Also, will you have sex with me? Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. So you um, yeah, you're not, de- so you're not dependent in fact on um, these bureaucratic structures and I think, I mean... Um, but they also decide how much you get. And this is the thing, too. Yeah. Let's say one just did, so they, they decide, you know what, this is working out so well. Maybe 900 is enough. And we know what the trajectory of kind of cash payment welfare turns into, especially, like, in America. Like, to say it's, it's like, incredibly naive to say that well, I would just get it all the time. The capitalist state would just give me the thousand dollars forever, and I would just, you know, live in a hamster cage and get a pellet once a day, and it would be it would be wonderful. The idea that there wouldn't um, be sort of barriers or or changes to the policy, or um, you know, it would be subjected to austerity immediately because the first time people went out and bought a few like consumer goods. The GDP would, you know, have a little spike because they'd all get, you know, Xboxes or whatever it is they want. Um, and, uh, 
and and then they would be like oh yeah so it worked we can we can we can move away from that now but all things but i mean that happens anyway with welfare payments yeah and it the, does so the i suppose the the extra advantage and this i think i mean this is more or less the only way in which i'm sympathetic to ubi is um the fact that it has the potential to erode the bureaucratic um, apparatuses of the welfare state, the surveillance, um, all the kind of petty indignity and humiliation of means testing, um, and the greater scope for control. So, I mean, you know, I take your point entirely about the fact that UBI would ultimately, um, it's no utopia. It simply reproduces dependence on the state in a similar way. But in as much as you could make the case for it, that just a straightforward cash payment um, without means testing and all the petty kind of humiliations of bureaucratic oversight. Isn't that better? Right. Um, well, I mean, I'm against uh, means testing, but I don't think you need to, you know, that's like a very like circuitous way to, 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 to defend it. I think, I mean, I, I just think that like, if that's your argument, then, then why aren't you, like just arguing against like the means testing of any other welfare. I mean, like, I, I just don't know how that perk to a not very good program makes the program good. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. And I mean, I don't, it's, sorry, that's a bad answer, but no, like, I, mean, uh, yeah. I take, I, you know, I, I take what you're saying. I suppose, um, you know, if we accept that some kind of welfare, is necessary in um, whatever kind of system you're in or, or wish to transition to in a developed, wealthy, advanced capitalist economy and in a future, in a future socialist economy that you'd still, have, um, you'd still have welfare for people in various kinds of um, conditions of worklessness for whatever reason. Sure. It seems to me that um, the minimal level of kind of fuss would be the best thing. So... Mm -hmm. But th degree. this is also where we get to, to where we get to like uh, like Alex Gurevich's point is that like well, if that's the case, then you're talking about conditions where you know we already had socialism. <laughs> so yeah. I've like I would argue that yes, I'm very pro UBI under socialism. That's yeah. a magnificent way yeah. to. <laughs> I mean, I'm just really I'm really disappointed. I'm really disappointed that Alex Gorovich has come up in a positive way, but anyway, never mind. <laughs> um, it's an, it's I, hope, I, hope, I hope he's, I hope he's, I hope he's listening to this, and uh, that he'll write an angry letter to the internet about it. So, Alex, if you're listening, I want you to write to me and tell me how mad you are. And that, um, Wait, what? Uh, <laughs> it's Not an me, Alex joke. It's an inside joke. I'm an uh, I'm old friend with Alex. And okay, I um, yeah. <laughs> and I take you know, and it's true, about the um, the fact that the way in which UBI is posited is always cast in such a way that it presupposes such a tremendous level of political transformation, and economic and social transformation that it would effectively be redundant. And I take yeah. that. I guess you know, I'm just thinking if you know, at the moment, I think that UBI would be better than some of the programs that are on offer at the moment under the current kind of welfare state configuration that we have in Western countries. Not, not universally, mm -hmm. not entirely, and not as a, far from being a panacea. And I think, you know, and I take in, I think the comparison to um, the kind of 1950s middle-class housewife, 
is a stroke of genius and puts it into perspective. <laughs> Thank you. It made a lot of, a lot of, uh, I'm, I'm, being told it made a lot of people who have never been housewives offended on behalf of housewives. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of tenured new school philosophy professors who have nannies yes. and housekeepers furious, yes. apparently. I can, I can completely yeah. see that. Oh, I had someone saying, well, th this just shows you what he thinks of women. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Brilliant. Well, I literally mentioned that I was a housewife, though. <laughs> it's just like, again, no one does the reading. No one does the reading. I mean, I guess the, the point, uh, the argument, the counter argument against that and the point made by social reproduction theorists and so on would be that women actually are working. They're not kept and given a universal basic income to go and pursue uh, whatever they wish to do, hobbies, pursuits, projects, and so on, but that right. they're having to tend to the laundry and the kids and the dinner and so on. Right. So I actually, um, like, this is a sort of a ridiculous um, thing because I've already been in this conversation um, because I'm incredibly skeptical of social reproductive theory and the kind of contemporary, you know, modern world. Um, so I already wrote a very long email about why, and I could just prattle it off, or the, the, the basic points. Yeah, very yeah, do tell us. Yeah, yeah, do tell us, yeah. Okay, and this is, this is something that at some point should be, um, you know, a different article, and why I didn't include that in there is because it's just, it literally would be just a, it would have it it ballooned into nothing. Um, so I am critical of social reproduction theory and the whole wages for housework conception of work for a few reasons. Um, first of all, post-war domestic work had been rapidly streamlined by hyper-efficient and time-saving technology in like revolutionary ways. And that's only continued. And I know there are women who make work themselves into a frenzy in order to maintain like a spotless home, but that's hardly mandatory. Um, and we know this because like one of the most significant complaints of free dance women was boredom and literally running out of domestic work to do. Uh, it takes very little effort to maintain a modern home provided you have access to modern technology. So I don't know why, again, these like new school philosophy professors are pretending we're like peasants, farmers, wives, starting fires and beating rugs and slapping our laundry <laughs> on river rocks or whatever. Um, it, it really isn't like, it's just different. Um, I do think it makes, it's, are, you, are you trying to say it, it's a bit like the episode of the Simpsons where Marge, um, goes when they move to uh, Hank Scorpio's, um, I can't remember the name of that place and she can't find yes, anything to yeah, do yeah, because yeah. The, the town is so the perfect. Self cleans itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, um, second is, uh, the subject of children, which again, needs an entirely different sort of essay, but like. I, and I assume you all keep a house now, despite working, um, and because I have no children, it varies very little from my own, like, 10 months or so, like, stretch of housewifery, which is domestic unemployment, and in some ways, it's actually, like, less efficient. So there was yard work when I lived in the suburban-style house, but during the post-war period, that was either man's work that, like, the husband did, or it was hired out. Um, there is half the laundry these days, but it took... It takes no more time to cook for two than it does to cook for one. Plus, I made him do the dishes. It is, again, a modern world, and it's not like men do literally nothing these days. Um, and everyone has to feed and clothe themselves. The, the real difference is in domestic labor lies not in suburbanization or gender, 
uh, but in children. And so I believe in yeah. both free state day- daycare and hardy parental leave, which is essentially like compensation for socially valuable labor. But like no Yang gang I've ever met has ever said, I would use my $1,000 a month to start a family. Yeah. So if I had more words, I'd point out that these young men want to be childless UBI recipients, which entails no more work than they're performing now if they're unemployed, making the comparison to like a, a childless um, or empty nester housewife apt. And the third one, sorry, uh, is the question of exploitation. Uh, I don't think you can argue that specialization, like gendered specialization of post-war middle class, like home economics is tantamount to exploitation. And that's a an important feature in discussions of work. Um, obviously, I think women being in the workforce is generally a superior arrangement for a number of economic and political reasons, uh, namely that everyone has more political powers, a collection of organized workers than they do as a, like a siloed off um, individual as like a wife or a UBI recipient. Um, but that makes it all the more important to distinguish between wife and worker, rather than trying to codify and compensate uh, an anachronism of a housewife that doesn't even really exist anymore in America. Um, and, in ma- and in waging that work, there is also like the danger of naturalizing domestic labor as like particularly in the feminine sphere, which I don't think we really have to do again with like parental leave and things like that. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a big critic of social reproduction theory. I, I think um, it doesn't really make sense if you have like, you know, consumer goods, time-saving stuff. Um, the big one's kids. And to me, I think, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm Bolshevik on that one. I believe in, I believe in a good like parental leave, but I think we should have like massive state daycare um, that is free and 24 hours and, you know, staffed by well-renumerated, um, highly professionalized adults. We want the we want the baby assembly line, basically. I agree. I entirely agree with you, and I think you should definitely write that essay. And I think that Alex's friends on Twitter will get even madder about it than they did <laughs> about the Jacobin UBI piece, um, and especially the new school philosophy professors. No, I agree with you entirely, and I'd go further. In fact, I'd say like I think that the um, that any country that doesn't kind of invest enormous amounts of money in um, in essentially kind of like you say making making this a reality also to the extent of if you know putting us to the point where we could grow babies outside of not require women to carry babies to term but be able to do that outside of the human body i think any country that doesn't do that is essentially unserious about women's emancipation um so i agree with you entirely and i think it's um it's exactly on point as well Although I will say this, just to push back a little bit on the, you know, full surrogacy now stuff. I think that's also another argument where, while I support the technology and the endeavor, it is sort of like this strange political focus at this moment in time when, well, uh, most American women, uh, like, are, like, they poll as not having as many children as they want and or not being able to have children because they don't want to, or because or they, they can't, like, economically. Yeah. So it is this sort of strange thing where, like, this is maybe another example of someone asking what is possible rather than what is desirable. <laughs> <laughs> I, as, as much as I'm a big fan of Firestone still, 
I think I, I still some, love her. Yeah. yeah um, but she was also insane. And we do have to acknowledge that as gross and painful and ridiculous as pregnancy is, most women are like, yeah, I want to do that gross, painful, disgusting thing. <laughs> And, no, yeah, and sure, unfortunately, some of the some choice. of the full some of the full surrogacy now stuff not 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 some of the more sophisticated exponents, but some of the maybe the less sophisticated exponents. It seems a little bit like fully automated luxury communism in a oh, way. It's it like, here's here's this technical solution to a political problem, and as much right. as obviously we want to drive towards this this point at is not it, it seems like it sometimes it's skirting. The yeah it, sometimes it's yeah. getting some of these really difficult questions yeah which we're faced with at the moment yeah and i i i think sometimes the kind of like post-human uh, like feminist wing of things you know again with confusing um you know possible with desirable um i think they have sort of lost the plot with utopianism and are instead more kind of idealists. So instead of trying to make a world to sort of serve the desires and needs of the people that are in it, they want to make new people for the kind of world they see as inevitable, which covers also Bastani as much too. Bastani's so fucking weird. He, uh, he's like a- Tell us, uh, tell us. Yeah, uh, I, I, this isn't gossip or anything, but he's like a fascinating person in that he's sort of like, his his uh, practical politics and his theoretical politics are the reverse of what most people usually are. So like, <laughs> might, no, 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 no. So you might Man. have someone. <laughs> I believe you. I entirely believe you. So, so you might have someone who has like really weird, um, uh, or, or you might have someone who has just like brilliant theory and they might have like the dumbest idea about what to do in the field you know, in yeah. terms of... Or, or, you know, very serious academic Marxists who write brilliant things and then when it comes down to politics, just have... Yeah, boring. and they're like, me too is actually the revolution. And you're just like, oh my God, <laughs> why are you so dumb when it comes to the real world? Um, and like, I, 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 I'm not a huge fan of Bastani's um, kind of futurism, but practically his politics are so good. And it's like just the reverse of what it usually is. But anyway, no, I would put sort of Sophie Lewis and Bastani, not... Uh, I don't think I necessarily have the same project or anything, but I I would put them in that, okay, so these people are, have embraced more idealism than utopianism. They're trying to create people for, they've basically given up and they're like, this part of this, this world is inevitable. So we, we have to make, we have to engineer people to want X, Y, and Z. I mean, again, too, I do support surrogacy and, you know, baby fish tanks and the whole thing, but it does seem to sort of put the cart before the herds. Just for the record, I mean, I just oh. want to be, I don't, so I'm not actually, I'm not defending um, surrogacy as a kind of organizing principle. Babies in fish tanks, though, I think is a great idea. And um, I don't, <laughs> you know, but I take your yeah, point. Yeah, drown the fuckers. It's still, yeah. Phil, um, that, Phil, that just sounds like you'd want to drown babies. That's not <laughs> not a good way to phrase it's, it <laughs> it's further and i but i accept the point like it's um it's not you know it's not the most kind of immediate solution to the problems that we face at the moment and for that you do need um yeah you, know, you know you do need uh the um fully available traditional fully available, communist yeah traditional yeah. communist attitude towards child <laughs> yeah exactly yeah but i think on a continuum with kind of radical technological solutions to um, sure. emancipate women. Um, sure, because the, they should at the very least have the option. 
you know, Absolutely. even if we, even if we get to that point and, and I, here's what I think would happen if we got to that point, um, and women could, you know, uh, like, or, or families could sort of gestate babies without the use of like, you know, a female womb, which by the way, it's a gross word. And I hate saying, it, and I hate you for making me say it. Um, I think still most people would, you know, go the traditional route if we had really comprehensive stuff, but the option is there. And the option itself is very liberating. Like mm. that's, that's what it is too. Like, um, it's not necessarily that everyone does this, um, you know, completely different arrangement. It's that it's not necessary. And, um, and it is, you, you can say, well, you can make a very serious decision. Do I want to carry this thing around for nine months yeah. or would I rather do something else? And then just, you know, someone hands it to me. And, and Absolutely. Yeah. So taking up this idea of taking things to their logical conclusion or identifying a kind of uh, seeming to identify a sort of historical trajectory and going, okay, well then let's push, you know, a hundred percent in this direction. Um, you kind of find that, I guess in, in, in two different ways with regard to UBI, one is, the idea that, okay, well, less work and the same or more pay is essential. It's, in fact, it's probably the essence of progress. Um, you know, free time yeah. for the full development of the individual is, abs- is an absolute good. It's sure. the essence of what politics should be. <laughs> uh, and therefore, let's t- take that the full way forward and just go, well, then let's have no work and full pay, right? Uh, you know, mm-hmm. as, as the kind of as UBI, most extreme UBI proponents uh, seem to say, you know, under full automation. Um, and there you encounter this problem, of course, that it actually the, the creating that world either de- depends on a full social revolution or implanting that into contemporary society would lead to just a wholesale increase in alienation. Sure. Um, so and then you, I also actually... get the, you also get the thing of the, the assumption that because there is a tendency towards automation, that that means that all automation is good. And I guess it, it, it comes down a little it's bit. It's not to how you... good just because you believe it's inevitable. Just because you're hopeless right. doesn't mean it's good. But it's also a kind of, but particularly kind of accelerationist reading of, of capitalism, of history. Sure. Um, which you just want to keep pushing in the same direction. And I don't think that's exactly how communism was ever conceived necessarily as merely going further forward in the same direction, but it means a kind of a left turn or, you know, and then going forward, right. not just, uh, not just to continue and accelerate the existing underlying tendencies that are already in place under capitalism. Right. Uh, which, which again would be again to increase more alienation, like cool. That sounds, that sounds exciting. You know, like we're already, we already feel too alienated and bored and commercialized. And then under UBI, as we discussed with, uh, with Anton two weeks ago, what would happen is that you have all this leisure time, but your leisure time is completely colonized by, by capitalism, by commodification. You're being, bombarded with advertising even more because you're just completely idle, you know? Um, yeah. So I guess that, that's a kind of interesting thing to tease out exactly because discussions about UBI touch, I think quite intimately in how you conceive of history, progress and revolution. Sure. Well, it's, it touches on how you conceive of socialism. Um, and I don't conceive of socialism as merely the absence of poverty in conjunction with like the civil libertarian or anarchist mandate of unlimited personal freedoms. Um, that's not a desirable project to me or, or 
to most people, I don't think. And I, I don't think you can discount most people. Um, uh, I view socialism as a democratically controlled planned economy founded on collective rights. It's not um, everyone gets an infinity pool. Sorry, Aaron. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think we've seen the ever expanding, like just the ubiquity of like consumer products among even the destitute. I mean, like homeless people have iPhones. It's not abolished class society. Um, and I, 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 one of the things I remember um, someone, an, an older woman I knew who grew up in the USSR, her, what she was saying was like, the luxury stuff isn't weird, is, is very weird to me. She's like, because when I was growing up, nothing was shiny, but everything was good. And she it was like, that was kind of the thing. And like, actually people don't, I think kind of Bastani maybe actually overestimates people's desire for luxury. Um, I think there's also sort of a point of diminishing returns with luxury where it just becomes, you know, this foie gras becomes like a hand sandwich to you. Enough um, is as good as a feast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so by extension, like, um, unlimited free time and leisure is something that looks a lot more attractive to people who have never experienced it. Um, and socialism offers something better than unlimited free time. It offers participation in a project um, and it applies both a role and a responsibility to your socialist society. And that's not a bad thing. It's very like rewarding. And I don't want to get too far into sort of like, you know, unmarxist uh, sort of uh, arg arguments or statements about like, you know, human nature or something like that. But I don't think people truly resent um, being, uh, having, a, having a responsibility or an accountability to a project that, when they believe in it. Um, but this also sort of extends out to like contemporary romance, right? Because you, you see that now. You see that with um, uh, like reflected, the same thing reflected like romantically. Like so like with like the polyamory stuff, it's like um, positioned as being like freedom from being tied down. It's like the, the Uber of romance, you know, it's, it's a gig sharing economy. It's, uh, it's flexible as opposed to say full employment and a union. Mm. Yeah, when we're stuck in this paradox of kind of too much freedom at the same time as the greater freedoms have been completely forgotten about such that they're not even- We have more individual freedoms and far few, far fewer um, collective freedoms or uh you know collective rights i guess is the better word for it so i think one i can't remember who said this but we've got a lot more little freedoms and fewer big freedoms yeah um, yeah um and i i don't know it's just to me like what was sort of appealing about um the sort of like communist or socialist projects was actually the fact that i would be contributing to something larger um it, you know the. I mean, so so just, can I just, we we do not, in fact, live in a society, but I sure would like to. <laughs> well, I mean, it's interesting actually, because one of the more intriguing arguments for UBI, uh, I think I'm against it, but I, I find the the question intriguing. Is that? Oh, it's a, it's a great like thing to tease that, out. That, yeah, well, and if, but if you assume that like automation it will continue proceeding apace, <laughs> I have certain questions about how far that will proceed. But anyway, and certainly how far it will proceed without. Uh, labor kind of twisting capital's arm but 
nevertheless, if you imagine that going forward, it transforms social struggle into a purely political question. It, you know, it, it, makes, it basically means you individuals, individual and collective collectivities of individuals can come together and challenge the state for a higher UBI. And that becomes the primary social question rather than the labor question that at work you challenge at least uh, initially under kind of a, you know, a kind of a phase of trade union consciousness that you're fighting with your boss for higher wages and more free time. And then that ends up spilling out into uh, the, the political arena. That's the traditional understanding of socialism. Uh, the, the kind of UBI vision, certainly a left-wing UBI would be one in which the, the social struggle, the labor struggle ha has been completely overcome because of UBI and struggle becomes completely political. It becomes purely between relationship between you and the state and gaining more greater UBI, greater share of the social product through that relationship. And that's kind of intriguing, I guess, sure. more as a thought experiment than an actual possibility because when you actually come down to think about it, you're like, how do those individuals come together and meet and form collective bonds to actually challenge the state? Mm -hmm. You're basically in a situation with what you have now with a lot of protest movements today, which sure. we've discussed times on this podcast, where it's just a bunch of individuals, often middle class, but not exclusively, coming together and trying to achieve political ends. Sometimes they get some things, but they're not, it's not able to forge together into the figure of the collective worker mm. anymore in the way that you did when you had a, a very strong and active labor movement. And so I guess that's, that's where the, the whole thing really falls flat for me, like that political argument that where do, how do these individuals come together yeah. uh, to actually uh, see how that political struggle yeah, there there are practical considerations certainly um you know i like i can't remember it, it was definitely anton but i don't remember where it came if it was in that interview or not by the way i did meet him for the first time you met him in person he's so handsome <laughs> um he, he said something hey, anton. <laughs> hey i know you're listening um i i uh he said something and it, it, I laughed out loud when he said it because he came very close to accidentally saying like basically our back to Max Fry <laughs> because he was talking about like, he didn't mean to say that work brings freedom, but what he was trying to articulate is that there is that labor offers power um, in a way that UBI does not because you have your hands on the gears, you know? And you're giving up control of the gears uh, when when you move towards UBI, which again might be a someday thing. But then we're sort of in the realm of like science fiction. We're in like post-capitalist science fiction. I, yeah, I think it, it it was one of one of the one of those the things that I think is important to grapple about with with work is you know it does it, it gives you that power. It centers struggles and uh, on on the workplace and not in consumption, but also that it is it is part of of being you know involved in larger collective projects and that that <coughs> that that yeah and that traumatic freedom that you interact with um with with the physical world and you and you shape it both immediately through through your labor and as part of a larger collective project and that's you know i think is that's it traumatic a, is it traumatic for you george tra <laughs> yeah traumatic birth of human freedom I mean, yeah, yeah, I have to go to, I have to go to work every day and that is pretty traumatic. I'll, t I'll tell you that when yeah. I wake up, it is a trauma is the right word for it, I think. Um, sure. But, you but know, at the same time, thing, it's, oh, sorry. Um, it, at the same time, like, um, 
I think the idea that it is only traumatic or whatever, that it is only oppressive, that it is only, I think actually people sort of, people, again, this is getting into like weird, like lashing arguments about what people do and do not like and how it benefits them. It's almost a moralist thing, but like, okay. Have any of you seen the show Fleabag? Yeah, very much so. Okay. Yeah, we're so, big fans of Fleabag. So I, I think it's really brilliant. It's really weird to me watching sort of feminists, maybe not um, or like online feminists or whatever, maybe not understand or admit why they like it. Um, but yeah, successful small businesswoman by the second season doesn't have, runs her own shit, doesn't have to, um, you know, worry about money. She's pretty self-sufficient. She does have responsibilities to the the cafe she runs or whatever, but she doesn't have like, Right, social bonds, responsibilities to friends or family, whatever. Um, she falls in love with like a priest. And there's this, it's like, you know, the if you, you haven't seen it, like there's like the famous scene where like she kind of breaks down and she's like, I want someone to tell me what to wear. I want someone to tell me what to eat, what to think, what to watch. And, and she, you know, breaks down and says, tell me what to do. And it's all very hot and sexy if you're into that thing. Um, but there is something that I think she touched on there that, is there is a trauma in being completely, totally self-directed into being just like an untethered balloon. Um, and I think actually we do desire accountability to, to someone or something. And, you know, to move on to another TV show, because that's apparently what I do now. Um, Chernobyl had, had this scene where, and it, it's apparently like a real thing that happened, where they sort of tried to bribe these coal miners to go underneath the reactor and, and dig out something so that they could basically, you know, seal it off so it didn't leak into the ground, everyone would die. And they were sort of trying to bribe them and get them to do this very dangerous thing. And they were sort of glossing over how dangerous it was. And the coal miners weren't fucking stupid. They were like, we're not going to like come back out of this, are we? And, and he's like, yeah, no. And they're like, but if we don't do it, a bunch of people are going to die. And he's like, yeah. And so they're like, all right. And so that, you know, that kind of new Soviet man thing, it wasn't completely mythological. People like as weird and kind of right wing as that show was at times, it is essentially about the heroism of the Soviet people. Um, and those like great selfless feats in the, um, you know, in the service of a larger society were like a real thing that people did. It, it provided, um, you know, a purpose for people. And to Americans, I think they're sort of horrified by that. Like, we're mm -hmm. just like, look at how, look at how, you know, excited these people are about, you know, whatever, how invigorated this uh, rally is for the Chinese state or whatever. And you can say that maybe like some of that is fabricated. Well, as as whatever, if the U.S. doesn't like, have its own forms of... I know, exactly, exactly. But also like w people do want something to sort of be excited about to, and to, to dedicate themselves to. Um, you know, whether it's like romantically or politically or socially or whatever. Yeah, um, or whether it's a red MAGA hat or a pink Yang Gang hat. Yeah, yeah. Part of it. <laughs> oh, are they pink? You just, you are they pink? They're pink. No, it's actually, I don't know if anyone's done this already, but it's a, it, literally, it's a washed out red hat, which has become. <gasps> oh, and actually, wow. And you know how like all the MAGA guys, well, not all of them, but the section of them have gone over to Andrew Yang, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it's just. And some Bernie people. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, his demographic is pretty clear. Like, 
downwardly mobile, like should have been or would have been kind of middle class professional, like PMC types. Mm. Um, and people who've who, washed who their are, MAGA hats too many yeah. times. <laughs> exactly. They're just like, well, I guess I'm doing this now. Um, and like historically, that category of people, like, I, I think people want to resent them because they want to be like, you know, they, you see this very moralist thing of they're like, you know, mediocre white men. It's like, well, but if this world is so full of mediocre white men, we have to find something to do with them still. Like, <laughs> that's not a solution. Like, like mediocre white men need something to do. Otherwise, I mean, historically speaking, they turn into fucking Nazis. Like, it's a very volatile county. <laughs> <laughs> I say that, yeah. It's like, you could just come listen to our podcast, but not too many of you. We don't want to fuck up the balance, you know. we need. You know, you know what, like, my funniest, like, thought, like, you know, stone thought experiment I have about being a podcaster is, and communism, is, like, I think about, like, if, you know, we get there and we start planning the economy, and they're like, all right, well, what are, what are you going to do? And I'm like, well, I was a podcaster. And like, that's what I'm good at. And I, and what if they were just like, yeah, we really don't, we do not need that at all. How about this? We need you to, you know, um, you know, work in daycare or pick up garbage or whatever, but you only have to do it, you know, 28 hours a week. And then you get to do your little podcast on the weekends. And like, I would be fine with that. I would be completely fine with that. <laughs> It would give you something to talk about as well. You can talk about how. Yeah. You know, and what's the biggest complaint about that? podcasters or, or like, or, or even artists that become like rich and famous or whatever. It's like all they could talk about is like podcasting or like other podcasts or like all, all songwriters could write is, you know, a, about, about just like this completely alienated banal world of luxury that like isn't relatable anymore. To so, be yeah. fair, that's that is the level we want to get to, where we can just talk about podcasts. Don't have to talk about don't have to talk about George's trauma going to work. And <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, if you imagine that a world under UBI would uh, be filled with too much boredom, and in which people would go seeking horrible vices and violence and whatever to keep themselves occupied, mm-hmm. you know, podcasting is actually a pretty wholesome solution uh, to that to that lack of oh, yeah. and need. Keeps for- them out of the streets. It keeps, out of the, it keeps kids out of the street. <laughs> All right. I think we'll, we'll wrap it up there. I think we've uh, discussed post-work plenty on this podcast, um, and we're always happy to do so, but we might not be returning to it uh, for a little while yet. We're probably post-work. Sure, uh, sorry. I actually did demand to go on, and I, and I realized I was really like angry because like Anton had his, and then I'm like, well, God damn it. <laughs> like, we ha- okay. It's because, too, like, but it's we complimentary. This stuff, yeah, yeah. So, like, basically, like, I'm repeating things I have said to him, and like, vice versa to this. So it's just like maybe we should stop podcasting this and just get all on the same group chat. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. Well, no, I mean, it's a good idea. Podcasting is is just exploding your own private realm and conversations on. Yeah. That, so pretty much, yeah. All right, cheers, Amber. Great stuff. All right, you. You have to come on Thanks. soon again.
I, I have I have my own post post work joke. Do you want to hear it? It's really dumb though. Let's hear it. You know, so post post work is important. You know, delivering letters is an important part of the economy. And Amazon's trying to get post post work by by automating post work. That's awful. This is a joke. It's like just an observation, you know. Jokes. I mean, haven't you heard Seinfeld? That that's, that's called observational not, humor. I heard Seinfeld. He's got yeah. you there. He's got you there. It yeah. is a genre. Yeah. Well, you're lucky you didn't have to listen to my um, to my uh, weird anecdote about uh, realizing I was in love with someone because I'm freelance and because they exuded uh, like uh, like I realized I don't want a boyfriend. I want like a manager. <laughs> it's like this really starchy like buttoned up serious like repressed guy that i was like in love with barely has a sense of humor and i was just smitten with him like just nauseous in love with him and i never he he lived far away and uh so like i i'd never like entertained the whatever it was just anytime i would see him very rarely and when i did i would you know um you know, like just sort of ignore him and do my best sprecatura and, you know, flirt with all his friends and, you know, you know, like what adults do. Um, and I eventually found out that uh, his uh, girlfriend who, you know, he had a girlfriend who actually had cheated on him um, like multiple times and he stayed with her. Mm. And I was like, Oh, did thank cheat on, God. Did you cheat on him with spell a broken, spell broken, but it, it freed me. Because I realized he wouldn't make a good manager. Because mm. I'm like, look. <laughs> can't if, the whip, yeah. Yeah, I was like, if I was going to date this person, I would, if, if, if I dated this guy, I would go to the gym every day. I would write a thousand <laughs> a day. I would, <laughs> I would, you know, I would just, I would say, oh, no, thank you. No cocaine for me tonight. Really <laughs> person. And then I found out about this thing and I was like, well, if he can't inspire her to not fuck other people, how's he going to inspire me to be less of a wild idiot? <laughs> and then I, and then I had a friend tell me, uh, well, Amber, like, what if he doesn't know that, that she cheated on him? And he's actually like this, you know, benighted and betrayed tragic figure. And I'm like, you need to shut the fuck up. Because I, <laughs> cause if I, if, if you rest, if I'm able to restore the myth I have of him, then I'm stuck that I'm in love with him again. And then I'm just fucked. So in my mind, it's great. He's a cuck. It's fine. <laughs> I don't have to have this fantasy anymore. We need like a social network connecting lazy freelancers with control freaks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I totally, <laughs> so. absolutely need it. If that was an app, I would 100%. Yeah. If there's a female listener who wants to put me in line. Yeah. <laughs> You'd get loads of the control freaks signing up and all yeah, the lazy get... freelancers wouldn't bother. So <laughs> yeah. it'd be very one-sided. We'd forget. We'd just forget. <laughs> We'd forget to make an account. We'd lose Wouldn't our check phones. messages. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm.